team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to a special emergency episode, or well, maybe emergency might be uh, a little too harsh because we're recording this a couple of days afterwards, but a special episode of Pods Kiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we are here today for one reason and one reason only, and that is because mere moments after we stopped recording on Monday, the news hit that the Hamilton Tiger Cats and offensive coordinator Tommy Condell had mutually agreed to part ways. It was what? Less than 10 minutes afterwards, I'm in the kitchen making dinner, and I get the email from the team, and I immediately texted you. And what what was your response when I texted you that this has happened? I believe it was uh, WTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it was under five minutes after we stopped recording. but It might have been. Uh, that's typical of Podsky though, right? It's, uh, it is. It's, we, we, it's, we had missed the curse for a while, and then, of course, yeah. this one has to hit us like a ton of bricks. On a bye week, no less. When we could have recorded at any time, but we said we're going to stick to the schedule. And we even actually recorded that episode later than we normally do. Normally, we record Monday morning, but Mike had to go to work on Monday, so we had to record it Monday night. And even then, we were still too early for the latest breaking news. Just typical of us. Typical of us. It really so, is. Uh, it's, it's a big story, so uh, let's just get right into it. That's Yeah, it's a it's one of the bigger stories the team has, has had this year. Condell's out. Veteran coach Scott Milanovic will take over play calling duties for the remainder of the season. So I know we kind of already touched on this just a little bit, but what were your initial thoughts when you heard that Condell was out and Milanovic was in? I was a little bit shocked. I just, I didn't foresee them doing anything because they don't really, that's just not their style usually to make a firing midseason. I know that, uh, you know, Bob Young has done it before with Ken Austin getting canned and June, June Jones taking over midseason you know, years ago, but I just felt like there was such loyalty to some of these coaches and I'm sure it was tough for Orlando to do this and, you know, actually make a move and get rid of Tommy Condell. So I was a bit surprised. I didn't see this coming. I mean, I've been pretty vocal about thinking that this would never happen. So got a little bit of egg on my face, but I'm, I'm with you. I, did. I, when I, when I saw that they had let him go, I was like, who who's replacing him? And then almost as an afterthought, they put like Milanovic will take over. And it's like, Oh, the thing that I thought would never in a million years happen has actually happened. And a lot of that was based on things that I had been told, things that I had heard. And just like you said, sort of the, this team doesn't really do this. You mentioned the Ken Austin thing, but Ken Austin was in charge of the whole football operation and stepped down as head coach and gave it to June Jones and then stuck around till the end of the year. And then, oddly kind of like quietly left the organization without anyone really like that was that was such a weird situation this is not that this is the head coach and the guy in charge of of the whole football team they say mutually agreed to part ways but 
let's be honest, it was probably less mutual and more one saying sayonara to the other. Um, that's just the way this, but the way that they mentioned it is as if both sides realized that a change needed to be made. That's very nice of them. But yeah, this, this was a surprising move. I wasn't expecting it. I certainly wasn't expecting it over the bye week just because this is not a team that tends to make a ton of moves like this, even, even over a bye week. It was just, uh, it was a very shocking situation and one that we now have to kind of digest and, and look at more thoroughly. Condell's out. How do you think this changes the team in any measurable way? I'm not sure. Listen, I think that, you know, Milanovic isn't just going to come in, implement his system, and they're going to be running his system uh, instantly, right? It's going to be a mishmash for a while of Tommy Condell's system and then Scott, you know, putting in his stuff. But, and I've said this before. I'm not really, I wasn't really enamored with Scott Milanovic's offense. He comes from the Mark Tressman tree, that dink and dunk type offense, that West Coast style offense, short passes, um, occasionally going deep, but mostly it's a dink and dunk style offense. And, uh, you know, I think that he kind of, you know, wore out, worn out his welcome in the CFL running that offense. And I'm not sure if, you know, he's evolved, if he's changed his style at all. But I'm a little bit concerned that it's kind of a lateral move, not, you know, a better, you know, it's not going to make the team better necessarily, the offense better, and it's not going to make them worse. It's just going to be around the same. But, you know, he does have, he is a former head coach that has won a Grey Cup. Um, But I feel like that offense was really working well early on with Mark Tressman and Scott Milanovic. And then defenses kind of figured it out. And it kind of fell off a cliff. You know, Tressman isn't in the league anymore. Scott wasn't in the league. I know that he was in the NFL, and obviously that's that's an upgrade. But I, I'm just not sure that this is going to help the offense a tremendous amount. So I wrote a fairly extensive piece about how I thought this would... Expectations need to be tempered here because I think people are thinking, oh my God, it's Scott Milanovic. Oh my God, he's this brilliant offensive mind. And I do think he's a brilliant offensive coach. But I'm also kind of in the camp with you where I looked into it and his run in Montreal was fantastic. Though his he was offensive coordinator for the Alouettes for four years from I believe it was two two thousand eight to twenty eleven, maybe two thousand yeah, two thousand eight to twenty eleven. Uh then he took the Argos head coaching job in twenty twelve. Those four years in Montreal, they were either first or second in points scored. I think they finished first three times and second once in points scored news there. Middle of the pack when he was with the Argos. Now, I don't know if that is more to do with he was the head coach there and took on more responsibilities. I know Marcus Brady was there for a while as one of his offensive coordinators. That's how Milanovic kind of got into the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Brady was there, kind of brought him in until Brady was fired. And Milanovic, when they changed coaching staffs, he was out as well in Indianapolis. But I do wonder if maybe as an offensive coordinator, it looked like it worked now. He had Anthony Calvillo, he had Jamel Richardson, he had Kerry Watkins, he had Ben Cahoon. But the talent's here in Hamilton as well. If Bo's healthy, he's got a a Calvillo-like guy in him. So maybe it'll work. I just think that if you think initially, if you think this Ticats team is going to change offensive philosophies or morph into something that they're not overnight, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment as a fan. If you think this offense is going to go from one of the more vanilla is not a right word. Uninspired maybe is 
and you think they're going to turn into this dynamic unit. I just don't see that happening right away. And I don't know if that'll happen at all this season. And I don't think Milanovic is here past this year. Like, I think this is a temporary solution for the end of the season. Cause I think Milanovic still wants to coach in the NFL. I mean, who wouldn't the money's there, of course. I just don't know if this is this is a long-term solution to fixing the Ticats problems, and I'm not even sure if it's a short-term one either. Yeah, it's a. Uh, do you feel like Tommy is a bit of a scapegoat in this situation? Hundred percent. Yeah, I feel. Hundred percent. I feel the same way, and like, listen, obviously the offense wasn't great, but I feel like there's there's more problems on this team than just Tommy Condell. But something, I think something had to change, and that's what they looked at, and. That, that's what they did. This is the pound of flesh the fan base has wanted, right? Like no one was no one other than like you and I and maybe Adam, who listens to the show, have been calling for Mark Washington to be looked at with more scrutiny. Everyone's kind of let the defense, which has allowed the most points in the league this year, let's not forget that, have allowed 27 or more points in all but two. The only team they haven't allowed more than 20 points against is Ottawa. Other other than that, they I mean they gave up 28 to Edmonton, 27 to Montreal. 30 plus to essentially everybody else. I think, I think 30 plus to everybody else, Argos twice, bombers, uh, the owls in the first meeting. This defense is, is also a, a big issue. I've seen some people complain, well, they're on the field too much. Not true. Numbers don't back that up. Ticats had going into last week. I'm not sure after this week, I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but they led the league in time of possession. So the defense has not been on the field too much. Yes. The Ticats turned the ball over way too much, but Levi, chief among them the offense was an issue the defense is an issue there's a lot of issues on this team this will appease the fans i think for the time being and you know what we're going to come back after the elk game and everyone's going to be singing the praises because they're going to blow the elks out because the elks are terrible mm-hmm. like i mean tommy condell the offense that stinks they put up 37 on the elks back a few weeks ago. So it's not as if scoring against Edmonton has been an issue for anyone, even the Ticats with their terrible offense, which was starting a backup quarterback and then spent the entire fourth quarter with a third string quarterback. So they're, it's going to, it's going to look great at first. They're going to, they're going to roll Edmonton. They're going to win that game. Like, you know, 38 to 21 and people are going to be, Oh, this is the offense. And then the cold, harsh punch in the face that is reality will hit when they go, Oh, they're heading to BC. And then they get the Argos again and things maybe don't look so great after that. And then it's like, oh, maybe the offensive coordinator wasn't the only problem with this team. And then they'll go looking for the next scapegoat. But to answer your question, yeah, I think Condell was 100% a scapegoat. But I also think that, yes, a move probably – I mean, we called for these moves to be made. I think you and I both said heading into last season or heading into this season in the offseason, that is, or after last season, I guess I should say, we were both kind of like, I don't know how they bring these coordinators back given how bad – that team disappointed. And then this year it got kind of even worse, but then there's been injuries that have been hampering this team. And I just don't think this year Condell was given, I don't want to say the rope to, to make it better, but you know what I mean? Like the left tackle's not here. The starting quarterback's not here. Yep. I, I just, I just don't know if he, if, if at, if this team's at full strength. And I mean, I know we saw them at full strength against Winnipeg and they stunk. And we saw them mostly at full strength against the Argos and they stunk. A lot of teams have stunk against Winnipeg and Toronto this year, so it's hard to judge them based on that. I just don't know if he was given the full if, – if he was given a full complement of players, if everyone was still healthy, do they make this move? I don't know if they do because I don't know if their record's 3-5 and five right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, the game plans when Bo was in there, Bo was missing throws. 
Bo was throwing the ball. He threw five picks he, in one game, and they won. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, listen, uh, the, Tommy Condell's had a, a lot of rope, and he and he's been here for a while. And you know, the offense hasn't lit lit the world on fire in, in a long while. But I feel like, like you just said, if Bo was the quarterback this whole season, if the off if Figueroa didn't go down, if the offensive line was intact, I think. Tommy Condell would still have his job and we'd have a better record right now. And, you know, obviously, do you think that the last game had something had a big part in this? Because the offense looked pretty good in the first half and then it it dropped off a cliff in the second half. Do you feel like Tommy had trouble adjusting to defenses in the second half, adjusting to the defense's adjustments? I do think that that's one of the, if you want to talk about flaws with him as a coach, I do think that is one. I think we've seen over the years, if this team's humming and they're, and they're kind of both coordinators for this team, Condell and Washington, when the Ticats, like, and Condell had been here, not uninterrupted, but basically since 2013 with a, with a short stint in the middle there where he wasn't here, when this, when this offense was blowing people out, when they were scoring 21 in the first quarter in 2015 or what they were doing in, in 2019, it didn't matter adjusting it in the second half because you're up by 17 points. So like, who cares? Like you're going to win that game more than likely. And they did like 2015 before Zach's injury was the best. The Ticats have ever looked in my lifetime, as far as I can, uh, as far as I'll say. And then 2019, even though the record was better, they were, they were clicking on all cylinders in that, in that year too, but they were also healthy. Like Brandon Banks didn't miss any games in 2019 and Braylon Addison was Braylon Addison in 2019. And, you know what I mean? Like they dealt with a myriad of running backs, but they were still able to, or the rushing attacks never really been a thing with them. That's might change with Milanovic. He has used running backs in the past, famously in, in Montreal, they had Avon Coburn, they had Brandon Whitaker. And then in Toronto, we had Corey Boyd until he said, I'm going to cut Corey Boyd because he can't block. And Chad Cackert was obviously there. So maybe the running game gets a little bit revitalized, which would be good for James Butler. Like I think James Butler is the perfect running back for a Scott Milanovic offense. I think, like you said, kind of that dink and dunk, take what the defense gives you. That's where James Butler, we saw it in the last game with Condell. He caught, what, eight passes or something like that in that game? So with with Milanovic's column plays, perhaps that's something we could see as well. But I just, I just think that, yeah, I don't know if the last game necessarily was the, the death knell for him because you're right. They looked decent-ish in the first half. They scored 14 points. It looked competent. They're up, they're up big going into the midway through the third quarter. And then Noel Thorpe, who's a defensive coordinator from Montreal, just said, oh, this is what they're doing. We're going to stop it. And then there were no answers for it. And then the offense in the second half like fell off a cliff. I don't think that they make these decisions rashly. Like I, Orlando Steinhauer seems like a fairly thorough guy. Like I don't think he ever makes a move. Although in the recent past, we can say, like, did he move on from Dane Evans too quickly? Like maybe there are some things that people would disagree with that. I just feel like as if he he really does put thought into these types of things. And this just felt to me like it must have been something that they were thinking about and just used. Like, had they beat Montreal, I don't think that we're sitting here today talking about this. They're four and four. They're tied with the Owls in the standings. Actually, they'd be ahead of the Owls in the standings. The Owls only played seven games. It's a different conversation, even though the offense would still not be like if they would have won that game 14 to nine. The offense still wouldn't look great in the second half. The offense. But we wouldn't be the coordinator would be fired because they would coming off a win. And that's not really when you make these moves. So maybe that loss had something to do with it. Maybe the lack of 
scoring in the second half had something to do with it. I'm not entirely sure. What do you think? I, I think that it might have had something to do with it. You know, it's like it's it seems to be a trend of Tommy's that, you know, he has a good game plan in the first half and then the second half kind of falls off the falls off the map. So I think that could have been a part of it. And I just feel like there's there's a lot of pressure from the fan base right now. And there's a lot of pressure on Orlando Steinhauer right now. And I think the maybe it maybe it even came maybe Orlando didn't make this decision. Maybe it was above his head and he just had to break the news to Tommy. But yeah, I just I just feel like I'm not sure that this is gonna change the season. And if it does, I'll be I'll be happy to be wrong. Like don't don't get me wrong. Like if Milanovic comes in and this offense starts cooking, I will gladly eat crow on this on this issue. But I just feel like Milanovic had the the benefit of Anthony Calvillo. He had the benefit of Ricky Ray, the two best quarterbacks in that generation he had. So is he going to be able to do anything with Taylor Powell? I'm not sure. Nothing against Taylor Powell, but obviously he's not Anthony Calvillo at this point, and he's not Ricky Ray at this point. So we will see what happens here. And maybe when Bo comes back, you know, that's another relatively great quarterback from from this generation that he can work with but it, it might still be a while so you know I, and, and then you have the thing of you know bully by mitchell coming to the team partially because tommy condell was the yep. offensive coordinator and they had a pretty close relationship so i'm wondering how he feels about this decision as well because at his introduction press conference he had a lot of good things to say about tommy condell does he have a re- relationship with scott Milanovic, I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. So I'm going to put a pin in the Taylor Powell stuff for a second. I want to come back to that because in my piece for three down, I talked about young quarterbacks. So let's put a pin, but because I want to talk about the Bo thing for a second, because Bo did say a lot of good things about Tommy Condell and Bo spent the off season in Condell's playbook. Bo has spent the the time in training camp in Condell's playbook. You would think that over this injury situation that he has now he would have spent these six weeks in condell's playbook well now that's been upended and Bo did not look great early on this year i mean i that might be kind he looked bad and now he's learning an entirely new system now it's like you said earlier it's unlikely that they're going to be whole cloth changing everything because you don't necessarily do that in football when you make a coaching change like yes milanovic is going to have his things but they're still going to be they built this team with Condell's offense in mind and they're not going to make a bunch of player changes because you, you can't, there's no guys out there to really get. So there's probably still going to be a lot of Condell's concepts in there. Now Condell kind of comes from the same sort of coaching tree. I know he's not a Trestman guy, but the things he likes to do are somewhat similar to Milanovic's. Like I said, maybe James Butler gets elevated a little bit more, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but for Bo, he's now out with an injury he w- didn't look great before he got hurt, and now he's going to try to learn something completely new or at least variations of something new. This could set his time with the team back a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I just – I don't necessarily know. And I kind of – maybe I'll weave this into the question I'll ask you. What do you expect from this offense now that Milanovic is in charge? Like, you've kind of alluded to a lot of people think that this is going to explode. You're not really thinking that. Do you think – this will be better for Bo? Do you think this will be better for the offense as a whole? Like, what are your kind of overall thoughts? And then once you're done that, we'll get back into the Taylor Powell conversation because I think there's an interesting one to be had there. I feel like we're, it's like we're starting in preseason. Yeah. Yeah, it's like preseason and we have to wait three or four or five or even longer 
six weeks to get this team, you know, comfortable with the offense again. And like, and by I, then it might be too late. Yeah, exactly. It's like I remember hearing I forget what it might have been Luke Tasker actually. He was talking about on the Ticats Audio Network how when uh, June Jones came in and it was a mishmash of Ken Austin's offense and June Jones's offense and obviously it worked out pretty well but I just feel like it's gonna take some time for these guys to mesh into this mishmash offense of two different coordinators and then when Bo comes back it might take him some time as well to figure out this playbook so I'm not I I don't think it's gonna be instant results I think it's gonna take some time and it might even bleed into next season if you know and then what do we do next season? Is Scott Milanovic going to be the offensive coordinator for this team next season? I don't know. So it, it's it's a move that's supposed to be is is made to get results quickly because they're kind of panicking right now, I think. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. No, I, I completely agree with you on all that. So t- the Taylor Powell thing to me is interesting because you, you mentioned Calvillo, you mentioned Ray, that's where he had his most success. But in Toronto... He brought Zach Caleros into the league. He brought Trevor Harris into the league. He brought Cody Fajardo into the league. He had a hand in grooming those guys for success later, less so with Fajardo because it took him a few years after leaving Milanovic's system before he kind of got a chance to be a starter. But Caleros went straight from being a backup in Toronto for two years to starting for the Ticats, being at an MOP level within a year and a half of that. And as I'll say, until the day I die, would have won MOP, would have won a great cup in 2015 with this team if he doesn't get hurt. Harris has had a pretty darn good career, maybe not as spectacular, definitely not as spectacular as Claris's. He won a great cup as a backup, played in another one with Ottawa. Actually, I guess he won two as a backup because he would have won one with Toronto as well. But Milanovic had a hand in that, and I do wonder if in the long-term view of this team, if he can kind of sprinkle that Milanovic magic onto Powell. Like, Taylor Powell's going to play, I'm hoping, these next four, five games with Bo out for the, for the next five games after he set out the first one of his on the six game injured list. I don't necessarily know if the results will be there, but I think if you're going to have a coach who at the start of the season had a hand in developing a third of the starting quarterbacks that were in this league, when this season kicked off this year, having him in the building, having him play calling, having him working with Taylor Powell every day Maybe it doesn't pay dividends for the team this year, which I'm with you. This move was a kind of a panic move. They do want to win this year. But taking the sort of 64,000-mile view of this, perhaps having Milanovic there with what he's done with young quarterbacks before, kind of being under his learning tree and then blossoming when they've left, this might be a good thing for Taylor Powell's development because I think if there's one person in the CFL – that I would want to kind of mentor a young quarterback or evaluate a young quarterback to find out if he could be a guy later on, it might be Scott Milanovic. So maybe this isn't the elixir that wins a great cup for this team this year. Maybe it is. We'll see. He's going to have 10 games to get this thing going, but we'll find out. But I think if there is even one, even if you think this team's not going to produce much more, like I'm not, I think we're both kind of in the same camp here. We think this will Short-term bump, but long-term probably doesn't have a, a huge impact on where this team finishes this year. But having him there to kind of mentor and evaluate Taylor Powell to potentially be the next guy. Because I think we've seen, I think fans would agree, they've seen some good things out of him, but he's raw. He's a rookie. That happens. 
he makes mistakes, all that other sorts of stuff. Milanovic being here, though, maybe I'm not going to say it, it supercharges his development or anything like that, but maybe the team will get a better read on Taylor Powell and we'll know maybe by the end of these six games, by the end of the season, if he's someone worth investing in, like, say, a Dane Evans was or Jeremiah Mazzoli was from previous regimes. I think that could be where Milanovic has his most impact with this club long term. Yeah, and, and he doesn't have to necessarily be here long term to yeah. have an impact on Powell, right? So I, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, I think he coached Fajardo for one year. He coached Harris for like three or four, so he was with him the most. But Claris was only there two years. Like Claris was got came up to the league in 2012, started a bunch in 2013, and then was with the Tie Cats in 2014. So it's not like he has to have him for three, five years to mold him. Could be a year in or ten games in this instance, and still produce some pretty good results. Or at least we'll find out if he believes in Taylor Powell. If maybe that helps him into the future, possibly being the starting quarterback for this team. Absolutely, and I'm not sure the timeline on on Montreal, but you know Anthony Calvillo was kind of going downhill before Mark Essman yep. came in and Scott Milanovic, and they revitalized his career and the same thing could be said for Ricky Ray you know he yep. he he wasn't doing so hot in Edmonton near the end of obviously he's still a good QB but he wasn't. yeah like I, I was just gonna say like I agree with you Calvillo Calvillo tw- 2007 mm-hmm. there were questions of is he done I remember yeah, like absolutely 2006 he leads them to the Grey Cup 2007 they have a down year they don't want a playoff game that year I think they finished third in the east that year there's questions on is he finished and and it's funny to think about that because he would have only been a starter for about six or seven years at that point with the Alouettes because you got to remember when he went there in '98 Tracy Ham started for I think it was two seasons yep. and he had, he had won a Grey Cup he had been to a couple but there was still that that is is this as good as it gets for Anthony Calvillo Tressman comes they go to three straight Grey Cups they win two in a row and then it's oh is Anthony Calvillo the greatest player in CFL history so. It's it. I, I I think I see where you're going with this, but with Ray was like he. I don't think he had reached that that depth yet. But it's no. not like Ricky Ray was 2004 Ricky Ray when he got to Toronto. There were some questions about his abilities, and I, I think I see where you're what you're kind of thinking here. But I'll let you finish your your thought. Yeah. So you know he's done a lot of great things with quarterbacks in this league, whether it be veterans or rookies. So obviously it's not a bad thing to have him as our offensive coordinator. And to push back on my own point that I made that I'm not sure that it's going to, you know, revitalize this offense, but we've seen it before with June Jones. He came in and this offense like almost instantly was much improved. So I'm hoping that Scott can do, I have my doubts, but I'm hoping that Scott can do the same thing. We made a push in that year. We started 0-8. We made a push for the playoffs and just fell short. So we're obviously in a much better situation being in, Three and five is not a great record, but it's not 0 and 8. So, but they're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like we have to claw back into the the playoff scene. We're right there right now. All we need to do is improve a little bit, and hopefully Scott can, uh, you know, put that spark into the offense. Nine and nine gets this team into playoffs guaranteed. Eight and ten probably gets them in at two, and eight and ten would probably be good enough to cross over into the West because I don't think that Saskatchewan and Calgary are going to miraculously turn into double-digit win teams. So this team is in a lot better spot than they were in 2017 when June Jones took over. The only thing is, though, is that June Jones takes over, and he has the ace up his sleeve of, I'm going to make Brandon Banks a receiver now. 
that's not there's no one on the team right now that offensively speaking where you go well here's my trump card you know what i mean like he june jones comes in goes brandon banks can be a receiver in this league and then pew, he just i mean 2017 2018 2019 it's a run like we've probably never seen from a player before for someone who's just given that opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone on the roster right now that they, that Milanovic can look at and go, there's the difference. Supercharge. And we got to remember June Jones took over the, as a head coach. Yes. He took over as offensive coordinator as well, but he took over as head coach. So he had more of a say in this is what we're going to do. I assume they're going to be very collaborative. I know that, that the coaching staff was very collaborative when Condell was here. But I just don't know if there's that one guy who's either on the practice roster or not getting enough playing time offensively that they can go, here's the guy that we can now put into this offense, and now we supercharge it like they could in 2017 with Speedy B. And they also had Jeremiah Mazzoli at quarterback who wasn't you know, a yeah. rookie like Taylor Powell. So, hey, man, we'll see. They, they obviously felt like they had to make a move in somewhere on the team. This is what they did. And we're going to see if uh, they're going to have egg on their face. Because if they look like crap still, I think you mentioned this earlier. Like, who do you point the blame at now? My guess would be they're going to go after – fans will go after Orlando. I think that whatever it is to not go after Mark Washington, I think, seems to be the the case. You know what I mean? I, but I think yeah. that if this doesn't work out, I think the head coach is the next guy that – I'm not saying he's going to get fired. I'm not saying the team will get rid of him. But that's that's the guy. Because you're already seeing it now. And we saw it a little bit before Condell – got let go he's the guy that i think fan ire goes towards next yeah i could totally see that and it's not i think that it's deserved a little bit with orlando like obviously mm-hmm. you know there's some over the top stuff that's not deserved at all and never is but you know he's 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 not his hands aren't clean in this right he is nope. the president of football operations this is his team these are his coaches um and if they don't perform then it should lay on him Anything else you want to say about this move? Any other thoughts you have? Uh, just kind of wrap it up here. We've, uh, I think, I think we've rung this dry. I mean, this is probably how long we would have gone had we had the, had the, yeah. had this information on the show. But I just, I'm just curious. Is there anything else that you want to get off your chest before we we move on and uh, call it a day? I just feel like we. Sh- that's not, and I know it's already happened uh, online and stuff like that, but. You know, Tommy did some really good things for this team. Let's not forget that. And uh, let's not celebrate a person losing his job because I feel like that's a little bit classless. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there, Mike. I just think people forget that these people are people. I know I just said people a bunch of times, but you know what I mean? Like they look at them as conduits for their entertainment. I think some people take sports a little too seriously uh, I love football. I love the tie cats. I probably will to the day I die. But I think some people, I, I, I hate when people say go out and touch grass, but I almost feel like that's appropriate here. It's like there are more important things in the world sometimes than how your favorite sports team does. Like it's nice to have diverse interests. I just think that sometimes we get a little too in the bubble here and forget that these are human beings we're talking about. And like you said, Tommy Con- Condell did some really good things here. From all indications, I I haven't really had any discussions with him. I think I met him one time very briefly at like, I I think it was like kind of an autograph session type thing. From all indications, he's a very nice man for all indications. And like you said, he had coordinated some really prolific offenses with this team. So it's not all bad. And I do think people need to, 
keep in mind that there's human beings behind their entertainment. And I know, oh, sports is a results-based business and this comes with the territory. And I understand all that. But these are still human beings you're talking about and advocating for someone to lose their job, wishing for it, printing it on a t-shirt, bringing yeah. signs, whatever it is. Yeah, it's grave after it's, you know, it's done. Yeah, it's, like, it's it, that, to it me, that to me, that to me, that to me is gross. You got what you wanted. Now let's just move on. And that's yeah. not, uh, you know, punch him when he's down. Yeah. Don't act like Ryder fans. That's all. You know what I mean? Don't go throw manure on his neighbor's lawn yeah. because you yeah. don't get the address wrong. All right. I hope we've covered everything that everyone wanted us to talk about here. I'm sure there'll be more to this. Uh, the Ticats come back next week from their buy. I'm sure we'll be talking about what I see at practice whenever we decide to record again. Condell stuff or uh, Milanovic stuff, I should say. Now that Condell's gone, what differences we're seeing here? Maybe there will be some changes to the personnel on the offensive side of the ball with Milanovic here. We'll have to wait and see until next week. But until then, that was Podski Wee Wee, or I guess a special episode of Podski Wee Wee. I usually say for this week, but I guess this is the second time this week. But I'll say it anyway. But that's that's Podski Wee Wee for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat him raw. Eat him raw. <laughs>